We'll begin here in Matthew chapter 8. And here begins the first, uh, when Jesus came down to the mountain after he has called up his disciples. And he, his intention was to bring them and teach them. But the multitude gathered, they begin to gather. And it seemed that as though that Jesus was speaking directly to the multitude, but I, he was actually speaking to the disciples concerning the Beatitudes on the things that is to come in, uh, in the millennial kingdom. And he's making a stance as him being the king. And the declaration is to declare what the king's um, policy and what the kingdom policy was going to be. So after he has finished with the Beatitudes, now he begins here in, in Matthew 8, verses 1, it says, And when he was come down from the, from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. Now he came down, and a great multitude came and followed, they began to follow him. And in verse 2, it says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And here we see a man with incurable disease that is ostracized by not only his community, but also his family because of this leprous disease. And he mentioned here that he worshipped Jesus. And it was a time, it was not a time that Jesus did not say, do not worship me. Because Jesus is God, and he could have prevented this man to say, don't worship me. But because he was God, he allowed this thing to happen. And this man came and worshipped him. But also this man had needs, just like the other crowds. And he says, in contrast with the multitude, none of them worshipped the Lord Jesus. They came all had needs and none of them worshipped. But the, lep the leper came and he worshipped the Lord and he believed in the Lord. And he said, the Lord says, if, he said, if thou will. Now he's, that is according to God's will. He's petitioning according to God's will. He says, if you will. And in consideration of miracles, Christ had many, but only few that was recognized here because they have some sort of a significant meaning. And God wants us to know that here is faith that is exercised. It says, if you will, if you will, you can make me clean according to your will. And it's not always God's will to heal. And when we pray, you know, we have to pray for if if it's the will of God, but God has is sovereign, He can allow things to happen based on when it comes to healing, He can allow based on sovereignty, but also based on the miracles. But here, God picked up this specific event here for His miracle, and this man he believed, he worshipped, and he petitioned in God's will. The leper said, If thou will. Thou can make me clean. And then in verse 3, it says, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will 
be thou clean. And immediately his leprous was cleansed. And now it says that Jesus put forth his hand. He put forth his hand. And also it says he touched him. And one can imagine the shock in the crowd. Here is a, a leper, unclean person, and who has never been touched. He has never been touched. Is supposedly in the law to give, according to the law of the Mosaic law, is to give a healthy distance from a leper. And when a leper comes, he is to shout, and within quarter of a mile, he has to make a, a shout and announcement that he's unclean. This man is was touched, you know, even his own family has never touched this man, but this, this man was touched by the Lord Jesus. And because of this incurable disease, he is to stay away. But Jesus came and touched him. And he says, I will read out clean. Now this, despite him, you know, this man's Jesus power to heal this man. Jesus had power to heal him, but also he had compassion to touch this man who has never been touched before in his life. And it shows the compassion of God to reach forth his hand and meet this man in the innermost place where he, he needed healing from. And this is what the Lord does. He touched us where we need him. And Jesus came and touched this man and the touching even more was more effective because this man was not only uh, healed by the power of God by delivering him out of this leprosy, but also the touch was more of a healing of making him whole, see, emotional. And here, Jesus demonstrated not only just physical, but emotional healing in this man's life. Then in verse 4, it says, And Jesus said unto him, See thou, tell no man, go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, in the Mosaic law, there are a couple of um, things the lepers have to do. They have to present themselves, and they have to give some kind of offering, and they have to, there's a ceremonial cleansing for a leper to be you know, in order, in order to join the community of their brethren. And Jesus said, go and do those things. And also Jesus said, tell no man. He says, tell no man. He says, again, why not tell? Why not say this thing? After all, this was a great miracle that was done. And you see, this was something that it could have been celebrated and, you know, by many people. But you see, the saints of God, God moves in a set time, and Jesus did not want at this point in time to be known. And this was the beginning of the, our Lord's ministry. And he has picked up, handpicked a few men that he was going to teach. But because of these, he wanted to be private. But however, as the book of Mark said, that the leper told everyone and broadcast it throughout. And this is what made him uh, famous. And now his ministry is being cloud crowded by multitude of people keep coming. And yeah, Jesus 
said, tell no man, because at this time he does not want to be known. And here in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home of palsy, grievously tormented. Now Jesus is now in Capernaum. And this is a hub of the Gentile. This is where the Gentiles usually stay. And Capernaum is mostly in this coastal area of waters. And it's just between the coastal place where there's commerce, uh, in a, interstate commerce with ships and trade. People come and trade. And on the, uh, on the account of Luke's gospel in Luke 7, verse 1, it says, And when Jesus had finished his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. Now, this is after he has finished his sayings of people. They have came down to this mountain, and now he has done this miraculous act by healing a leper. He, he went into this city called uh, Capernaum. And now here, he came a centurion. Now, a centurion is a commander of the Roman army, and he came to the Lord, says, beseeching, pleading, pleading to him. And now this is unusual since the Romans normally sees themselves as superior, the superior people. But this man saw something in Jesus, and, and he also needed him. See, he needed him because his servants was suffering from palsy and now palsy is, is, a, is a nervous you know nervous system disease here and this man is suffering from this palsy and then he says in in verse 7 he says and Jesus said unto him I will come and heal him now also in Luke's gospel in especially in gospel of Luke's chapter 7, verses 2, all the way to 8. It describes basically the detail of this centurion man. This, this man is this centurion profile. He has a profile, and he was very sympathetic to the Jewish nation. And he knows that these were oppressors, and a genuine man who loved the Jewish people this man, although despite all his works, the Lord did not see that. The Lord saw his fate. And this man is going to move on this man's fate. He says, you know, this man came and says, my servant is, um, well, he's going to, this man's compassion, the Lord Jesus' compassion towards this man, that the fact that this man wanted his servant to be healed. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And then in verse 8, he says, But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should uh, come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth. Now he, here he says that, he says to Jesus, you know, Lord, I am not worthy. See, he says, I am not worthy for you to come to my roof. You know, he called Jesus Lord. And this is a Roman centurion. And again, 
this is unusual again since Romans only pledged allegiance to Caesar. And but here he calls Jesus Lord. He called him Lord. And this man has strong faith. And he has strong faith of Christ and also his capabilities to save his servant. And he says, but yeah, he says, speak your word only. It's to say your word and Again, Christ is the Word has made flesh, and this man, under the impression by the servant of the mount, probably saw Jesus in the son. He was part of members in the crowd that saw Jesus in this you know, as a servant of the mount, speak in words of authority. You know, in Matthew seven verse twenty nine, he said that Jesus spoke as one that had an authority. So this man probably recognizes higher authority. And it's a like-minded mindset here because this man is a man of authority. So Jesus, however, Jesus had greater authority. And this man, which he had heard or probably seen, then he moved with faith and said, come and heal my servant. And yeah, but he says, do not speak. You're not worthy to come into my, um, into my house. He sees himself and knows that Jesus is not worthy. No, excuse me, that he's not worthy for Jesus to come into his house, but rather he wants Jesus to speak the word. So he recognizes the authority and he said, Lord, just speak your word. And then here in verse 20, uh, verse 10, he says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, that followed him. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. You see, the Lord marvel at this man's faith, him being a Gentile. And Jesus uses this moment to not only showcase his disappointment, but also his warnings. You know, he says, I have not found no great faith in Israel, you know, despite all the miracles he has done. And Israel has and will have lots of miracles, but they are still going to be staunched in unbelief. And Jesus then, you know, he refers again to the age of the millennial kingdom. After he has taught this beatitude, now he refers back to the age of the millennial kingdom. He says, and in the millennial kingdom, there are going to be many Gentiles. And then he's mentioning that these are going to be Gentiles that will come from east and west, and meaning that will come from different places, different parts of the earth, from the east and west. And the Gentiles, these are the Gentiles that is in the millennial kingdom. And which is indicating that there are many Gentiles in the millennial kingdom that's going to be saved in the last day. So he mentions these things and this will be also fulfilled. All of these are going to be fulfilled in the last days. And a couple of scriptures here in Isaiah 2 verses 20, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 2 verses 2 and 3. Again, Isaiah 2 verses 2 and 3 says, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and 
all nations, it's beginning of all nations shall flow unto it. And this is speaking about Mount Zion. And it says that many shall go, again in verse 3, it says, And many shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. And he will teach us in the paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord uh, from Jerusalem. Now he refers, our Lord, he says, he referring that in his time of rulership, and this is where he's going to be ruling in Jerusalem, Jerusalem as his headquarter. And this is also a thousand, one thousand years of reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. And then he said that all will come. And then all Gentiles will come. Again, also in Isaiah 11, verses 10, it says, And in that day shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. For it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. You know, here is a, it gives a vivid prophecy of the Gentiles. And they are going to come from different areas, from the east to the west, to Israel in the, in the millennial kingdom, where Christ is going to be ruling them. And Jesus alluded to this fact that some Gentiles, some of the Gentiles, like this centurion, you know, will have the faith. They will have the faith to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But in verse 12, in continuation, it says here in verse 12, in Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, The children of the kingdom shall be cast out of utter darkness. Excuse me. The children of the kingdom shall be cast into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here is a dire warning. See, he's, he first of all talk about his disappointment for the Israel nation. But now he gives out a dire warning here to those who claim that Israel is their own. And Jesus said, you know, also repeatedly in Matthew 21, verse 43, he says, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruits thereof. You know, these are strong words Jesus uses for the Israel's nation to hear those words. And at that time it would have been very insulting. But the Lord Jesus said it, you know, clearly. Again, strong words. Jesus also uses strong words in hell. He mentioned this gnashing, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he uses he uses this repeatedly repeatedly. For instance, in Matthew 13, verses 42 and verses 50, he says, And he shall cast them into other furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then verse 50 he says, And he shall Cast them into furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. See, he uses this word gnashing and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He describes the horrific uh, condition of hell. And furthermore, he uses also in Matthew 22, verse 13, he says, Then said the king to the servants, Bind his hand and foot, take him away and cast him into utter darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
See, also when we cast our minds and think, you know, Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody in the Bible, in particular in this chapter. You know, and we see today, you know, we don't have all the perspectives concerning Christ in judging of sin and his hatred towards sin. And he came, of course, he came to save sinners from hell. But those who refuse him, these are ultimately, there's an ultimate penalty for them to pay. So in here, in going back to the passage in verse 13, he says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, and he goes back to talk to the centurion after giving this, um, first of all, his disappointment about the nation of Israel, and then his warning about what's going to take place by their un unbelief state. But now he goes back to this centurion and, and says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servants was healed in the selfsame hour. So now Jesus told him to go thy way, and just as you have believed, it will be done. And he says that in that hour, that servant, that the man was beseeching Jesus about, was healed. And we are to understand that everyone has some measure of faith, you see. But faith determines a person's state, as uh, James the Apostle says, by faith, without faith. You know, faith, without faith, you know, is a faith without works, excuse me. Faith without works is dead. And this centurion saw the authority in Christ Jesus, and he asked him to heal his servant, and his servant was healed by the centurion's faith. And that's not the, not the servant, but the, by the centurion's faith, this man was healed. And then moving on in verse 14, it says, And Jesus, and when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of fever. And he touched her hand. Again, here's another touch. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. So here's another miracle of touching. And then, but this one is Simon Peter's wife's mother, his mother-in-law. And you know, the Lord Jesus saw the fever in her and then he touched her. And then here he speaks about the Lord. He hates sickness. And he came here to heal. One of his, one of his ministry is a healing ministry. You see, he ministered to people in the way that he uses hands and all these things in a different way to heal them. Then in verse 16, it says, And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word. And heal all that we are sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now, people came here, many of them, majority of them were possessed by demons. Here it says devils. The word mentions devil, but there's only one devil. And the word here means demons. That means multiple, multiple of people that were possessed by these demons and the lord jesus cast them out he said he cast them out with his word and his word is authority jesus had authority 
to cast out these um, devils, demons, excuse me. And then here, all of them also were healed. All again, healing ministry here. All multitudes here that were sick, they are healed. That it might be fulfilled. It says it might be fulfilled. And this was his authentication as Jesus being the Messiah. And that the coming Messiah will bear all our infirmities. And, and also bear our infirmities and sickness. And that's what Jesus did. He bared our infirmities and our sickness. As Isaiah 53 verses 4 says, it says, Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem, uh, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And then also, in accordance also with First uh, Peter 2, verses 24, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 34 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Now the question is, is there a reference to body healing? Uh, sin is usually the main cause of this for body sickness and uh, healing in our saints, you know, healing of saints is what made our body whole. But there, there is a sin that is, you know, getting old, old age, also, that's relatable to sin of mankind, which is mankind because of uh, deterioration. Uh, sin, the main, main sin that came by Adam. You know, man is becoming older, you know, because back then our forefathers used to live uh, in the almost thousands of years, you know, almost hundreds but because of sin, because of the sin nature. The human now our body begin to deteriorate but here jesus is uh because of the sins he bear our sins that we are to be whole and here jesus is doing this healing of bodily but also to mention that the reference the root of uh, sickness is always sin it's in nature but for the church, you know, can God heal bodily? You know, the answer is according to God's will. God can either heal or his um, uh, sovereignty. God is also sovereignty over sickness, you see. So God is can use either, you know, miracle or he can use his grace. And, and it can be, uh, his grace can be sufficient enough to make us endure for every healing. So we continue on in verse 18. It says, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandments to depart unto the other side. Now here you have a great multitude now is pressing in in Jesus' ministry. They are pressing in because they have needs. They're not there to worship him, but they are here to uh, for individual needs. You know, many of them have sickness, leprosy, and uh, they are possessed with all kinds of demons. But Jesus now is 
his, his ministry is now being pressed into and he you know there's no place for him to stay so he wanted to get out get out and move to the other side and to cross the river by the boat and then in verse 19 and a certain scribe came and said unto him master i will follow thee whithersoever thou goest and jesus said unto him the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the son of man had not where to lay his hand had not where to lay his head you see this is a certain scribe you know he asked to follow jesus why did he not grant his wish why did jesus not grant his wish but rather told him this you know he said foxes have holes birds of nests have you know nests but telling him that you know he has to count the cost he is to count the cost of following jesus you know there's a cost of discipleship you know, there's a, a, a cost of following to the lord jesus so jesus this man just made an emotional decision and you know following jesus will cost you everything and also you will gain you more than it will cost you so jesus is now mentioning to this man that is is a cost of following me and you know just like you see later on peter who makes an emotional decision to say lord i will never leave you and then jesus said before the cock crows you are going to deny me see this is emotional this our lord knows it our lord knows every man's limitation and this man is just making an emotional decision here and the lord knows his limitation so he's saying this is Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man does not have any place to lay his hand down. So he's just mentioning to this man the cost of it, of following him. And also in verse 21, moving on in verse 21, he says, And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to bury my father. Now, this is one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, he's now, uh, this is probably the one Jesus probably put, picked. One of the, it, it's not mentioned whose who's person that Jesus, uh, it, isn't, it isn't mentioned the name of the person here. And this man uh, is one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus and says, you know, suffer me first to bury my father. Now, Jesus says, but Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead and this this is again again i mentioned this is uh, a disciple this is not a scribe and this man's heart he he cares for his family though he being a disciple he's concerned about his family's welfare and this is a death on his, on, the, on his family and here but the lord jesus refused him to go still see he said um according to luke 9 verse 60 he says jesus said unto him let the dead bury the dead but thou but go down and preach the kingdom of god see go and preach the kingdom of god let the dead bury the dead it's very um interesting thing here and also it, it might seem as harsh and this is a test of where the man's heart is and I'm, I'm sure the Lord will help this man, but God is compassion, obviously. He did not just meant that he, this man is not to 
bury his father or anything like that. But a disciple has a higher calling. A disciple of Jesus has a, a higher calling to be committed and be, to be disciplined and also to be loyal in the cause of Christ. And But more over here is a test of loyalty, you see. And Jesus is seeing this man's heart. You know, anything that you put above the concerns of God or anything concerning God or anything that you put above God and the ministry of God that called you is an idolatry, even when it when when comes to the family. And this man is, Jesus is testing this man's heart. He says, go and bury, uh, go and preach the kingdom of God. And also in relate in relation to this is also in Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 1920, you know, Elisha, Elijah and Elisha's uh, relationship. And here you go see Elijah said the same thing as to Elisha. He says in First in Kings 19 verse 20, he says, And he left the ox and ran after Elijah and said, Let me pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said, meaning Elijah said unto him, Go back again. For what have I had to do with thee? See, this is a test. He says, well, this is the Lord calling. And now you're going back to your family to, you know, take care of your family. But, you know, says, no, leave all these things alone and come and follow the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus put priority first of him than anything else. So, you know, there's two kinds of people that Jesus encountered here. So you have the emotional man and who has not examined the cost of discipleship. And another, you have this man who's a family man, who a family man, a family man cannot be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. You know, who, this man, whoever puts family above the calling of God and following Jesus, will, you have to count the cost. And the Lord Jesus says, he that loses his life, he that loses his life, meaning the comfortability and also everything else concerning family uh, will find it. You know, these are strong words. Jesus says, the dead, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, you know, let those who have no life, let those who have no purpose bury their own. Let those who have no uh, purpose bury their own without a purpose, see? And following the Lord Jesus Christ is a life of purpose. And following the Lord is, is, a, is a beginning. First of all, when you follow the Lord, the beginning is not appealing. It's not appealing to give up your life, but a life of purpose. This is a life of purpose. And nobody will know Peter or James or John unless they had followed the Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus is to make ordinary men and extraordinary people. And this is the case that was that separated Paul and Barnabas. You know, John Mark, you know, he kept back, he kept going back to his house and to his mother, and Paul told him to stay home. But Barnabas refused and said that, you know, he, he needs to bring his nephew with him. So this becomes a family issue here. And we never heard from Barnabas ever again because this man, he, there was a high calling on his life, but he resorted, resorted to family, family disputes.
no. We we move on in the next chapter, but here I just wanted to make you know make a at least a very important statement about this concerning discipleship because this is part of you know, one of one of my ministries. This is the ministry of discipleship. So this is disciple Christ disciple, and we have to leave family matters and count the cost. So. In verse 23, it says, And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. Now, on the ship, here, he says that his disciples followed him. And then many multitudes also but were around him. But here, you know, the disciples were few. And there were a few people that went into the boat with him. And then in verse 24, And behold, there rose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now, he says that here there was a great tempest in the sea. Not this, this was not a normal storm. This wasn't just a storm that is just normal. And in Mark 4, verses 37, it says, And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was full. Now, I'm mentioning this because to know the, the impact of these waves, this storm, this weather, uh, it was beating down on the ship on where Jesus was sleeping. And here it says this was a high storm with intent. This, this is a fierce storm that was in intention to do something and this was beating down on the way uh on the boat where Jesus was sleeping. Then in verse uh also in in addition to that in Luke 8 verses 24 uh 23 excuse me it says but as they sailed he fell asleep and there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water in we're in jeopardy now. This it says that the water was not only fierce enough that was beating down on the ship, but also it was the water was also overflowing and almost to the point that they are trying to almost be capsized. And this water was entering into the ship. And this again, he mentioned that this water was fierce and this water was had an intention to do damage. But the Lord Jesus was sleeping. He, he brought, you know, he, he mentioned, this is somehow not a normal wind that uh, this wind again is sent out by a demonic storm. Uh, this was a demonic storm, you know, to stop, either to stop or hinder Jesus' ministry. And this was not a normal wind that. It was just like a normal weather, you know, or a normal storm. This was this storm had an intention. And here, continuing on in verse 25, it says, And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Now, this wind was moving fierce and beating on the on the ship and also trying to capsize this boat. And this man came, and these are experienced fishermen. Peter, part of it, and John, James, these were experienced fishermen. They have not seen this wave before. And now they come in here, and they were crying and say, hey, we are about to perish. You know, save us. 
and he said that the Lord was sleeping. Now, the Lord was in deep sleep because it, here he shows this, the, human, uh, the human side of the Lord Jesus. He was tired and he hasn't probably gotten enough sleep yet. And this was his chance to sleep after removing himself from the crowd or questioning him. Now, here he was sleeping and he got interrupted. Now, the controversial question here is our own weather. It's all weather from God. And if so, why did the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is going to rebuke this weather? He's, he's going to rebuke it. And we see that. We're going to see that in, in the next chapter, which is verse 26. He says, And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds of the sea, and there was a great calm. See, this, he rebuked this because this is not weather that is normal, and this was not from God. This was a, a fearful weather sent by the demonic force and to destroy or capsize the Lord Jesus Christ on, in his disciples. So he came here and he rebuked this weather. And then he says, why are you fearful for, you know, lack of faith? Again, lack of faith here breeds fear. Jesus also is warning his disciples about this lack of fear. And he rebuked the winds and the sea. Again, this is not a, a this is not of God, nor was the Lord rebuked this devil storm. You know, most hurricanes and tornadoes, you know, of course, we know that these, these uh, fierce winds have an intent to destroy. You know, it comes from, normally comes from the devil. And the Lord Jesus Christ rebukes, rebukes this dangerous weather and demonstrates God's power over nature. And also, if you look at more in fierce weathers, you know, in Psalm 65, verses 6 to 7, it says, Which by his strength seated fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stilled the noise of the seas and the noise of the waves and the turmoil of the people. So these are winds that are fierce. And these were raging winds, as described in um, Psalm Verses 89 to 9. See, and God is the one that calms the storm. He calms the storm. And also described in, uh, explained in Psalm 107, verse 29. He said, He maketh the storm calm so that the waves therefore are still. So here, but here in verse 20, 20, uh, 27, he says, But the man marveled, saying, What manner of man is this? that even the waves and the sea obey him. Now this man came and said, what manner, you know, what manner of, of man is this that seas obey him? Now, as part of Adam's dominion, Jesus has a power over the element of creation. He has, this is what Adam had before. It wasn't that Jesus is doing anything God word, but this is what Adam, he's the first Adam. So he has, no, he's the second Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. So he has the power to, uh, over the elements of creation. And then in verse 20, uh, 28, it says, And when he was come to the other side of the country of the Gerasenes, Gergesenes, they met him two possessed with devils, 
coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Now, here is the, in this Gergesen scene, there's two men that is fierce, and they were possessed with de uh, demons. And this is a dangerous, violent, and then strong man. And these demons were very territorial, and they wanted to prevent and protect that territory and something in that geographical area, you know, that you do, the demons do not want any man to pass by. So they were protective about it. And this, this is the history of this uh, region, according to Mark 5, 1, you know, it says they came over until the other side of the sea into the country of the Gargarines, the Gargarines, the Gargarines, or or you can, one can say the God, the Gad, excuse me, the God, God Gadarenes in, in the Moses' day. This is the, the Gad, the tribe of the Gad. And these people were the ones that disobeyed the commandments of God. And these are two and a half tribes that did not cross over the Jordan River and with their brethren. You know, they choose to stay on the other side of the Jordan, on the east side. And now here they are herding pigs. And the Lord forbade Israel not to do so. So here, in these are the countries that Jesus is coming to. He's coming to his own here in the other side. These are the Gadarenes, uh, excuse me. So in Luke 8, 20, uh, 26, it says, They arrive at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over, uh, which is against, which is over against Galilee. Now here in verse 29, moving on, it says, And behold, this man, now Jesus coming into this country, and this region, and this man, he says here, And behold, he cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of God? Are thou hither to torment us before the time? Now notice the word, uh, we, us. Now this is plural. This is, you know, we, us, and these, these ones, they cried out. You know, these are multiple of demon in one person. And Jesus said, you know, and not only do these people, they have foreknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God with them. Just by this meeting with them, with Jesus, instantly they know that Jesus was the Son of God. This was not a normal person. These were not normal people. This, this is a possession of some demonic uh People, uh, demonic forces in one person. And he says, are you here to torment us before the time? Now they know, they are aware of their fate, the damnation. And, you know, demons will manifest more than, you know, they know that their time is short. And these demons will manifest more than they know that their fate, you know, is short. So they came here, they know that their time you know, as it says, are you here to torment us before the time? And here in verse 30, it says, And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. Now here is a uh, herd of uh, swine, pigs that were feeding nearby. And it says in verse 31, So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And they went 
and, uh, and when they came out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Now he says, "Let us." This demon says, "Let us uh, go into the swines, and there, being demons, you know, they want to stay in this geographical area, and they rather to leave. Rather to leave, they prefer to stay inside the animal." wanted to you know stay in, into this hold on to this geographical area and these were complete violators but yeah jesus says go and this herd of swine ran violently and demons these demons are murdered they're, they're, these are part of demonic mur murders they're gonna drown these swines and these were fierce they are violent they're murderers and here these pigs you know they couldn't survive and when they manifested in, in a man and here it was where you know they were fierce and they were murderers and when when he was with the man they were fierce and murderers and here now they went into these pigs and now these pigs were drowned so in lastly in uh verse 33 it says and they kept and they, they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and they told everything that was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Now these are keep, the keeper of pigs, you know, rather to come to Jesus like the multitudes in Galilee, you know, and, but here they, they flee. You know, they told Jesus, they told about this possession of these devils that, you know, Jesus had just cast out, these men that were just cast out. And here the people came and then they besought the Lord Jesus Christ to leave, you see, to leave the territory. And there are certain things that are territorial spirits that sometimes the disciples of Jesus need to be aware of. And these were... Not every place is for a disciple of Jesus to witness, especially bodily. But here you have these, these gatherings. It's a stronghold city. And the Lord Jesus Christ honored their request. And these people were not ready to really receive the light. So the Lord Jesus left and went back to the city. Well, we're going to continue on in Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to move on. And until then, precious saints, God bless.